up, Zach? Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. <laughs> going, uh, slipping away from your grandpa's how do to a uh, little hip hop intro. Hello, is that what that was? I like it. How you been? Uh, <laughs> today's been an interesting day, but I've been good. Oh, uh, we're talking about it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, get it out of the way. First off, well, no, it's going to be one of my my uh, pinnacle points. Oh, okay, I save it. I don't want to blow it up then. Yeah. Um, good to have you back because you've kind of been a uh, little MIA. Yeah, the I mean, holiday season. a lot of family stuff. You know, coming from a uh, a uh, split home where <laughs> mom and dad are still around, but have to have separate Christmas with a whole events. bunch of new plus with, ones. Yeah, a lot of new people and. So yeah, these, these times, these two weeks before Christmas are tough. Is that why you're leaving the country for a while? That's why we're leaving the country on Monday, yeah. <laughs> so the logistics of the holidays is kind of like, there could be motivational speakers that help people get through that. Oh, 100%. And one of the things that we struggle with every year is because I have my two siblings who also have families, who also have families that are split. Yes. And so... We have to coordinate my sister every other Thanksgiving. She's in Wyoming with her. So do you guys like sit down family. in like July and pull out a whiteboard and like war games? And shit uh, almost. Sure? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a full time job. Uh, so then the other question is, given our uh, consumerism, how do you handle gifts for like 700 family members? We stop giving gifts for each other oh, good. as siblings and we focus just on the kids. So I don't mess around with trying to... Now, we do buy for our parents, but a lot of times we go in together on you know, bigger gifts for them. What do you... I mean, what, what do you buy parents, though? So we bought... <laughs> this year for my dad and stepmom, we bought uh, an ice maker, like a oh my God. a bar top oh, ice maker. Oh, okay. Wait a second. they have a bar downstairs. Is it, uh, is it a little rabbit turd ice or is no, it No, it's chunk? like... They look like... Almost like bullets. Oh, really? Really big... Yeah. And then we got them. They wanted a new light over their their uh, pool table, so we all went on a gift card for that. Super My dad practical. Dad and stepmom, yeah. Dad and stepmom, we got um, similar gift cards because they wanted to redo their kitchen sink, and so I mean, just things like that. Pra- very practical. So, but does it feel a little boring though? Oh, I hate it. In fact. My mom and stepdad now are at the point where they only give gift cards, and they don't even buy them. We just are they like Visa gift cards? No, they like <laughs> to a store that we like. I'm just like, why are we exchanging money? This is dumb. Let's just do, let's let's donate or you know go and do something. You know what we did over Thanksgiving after we kind of belittled that exact thing. As a family with grandma and children, played Cards Against Humanity. That I could get into the bonding. Was over the moon. <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine knowing Kim's you know, family as much I as I do. I will never, whatever gift card I got this year, I will never remember that. <laughs> no. But seeing my mother in law's face whenever it was. Kids with ass cancer? Yes. Yeah, okay. Well, that will go down in the annals of fun Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. yeah hey, good times. Uh, well, hey, we are at uh, probably my second favorite place in the world. Um, Amsterdam Tavern, Matt, Lyle, crew, love these guys, love this place. Um, seemed apropos given our guest today. Wanted yes. to bring it back to the OG world. Um, I'm decked out in OG. 
I saw that. I think he noticed too. He didn't, he didn't say anything yet, but I Not think yet. he's waiting. His, his mic is off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna be bring the guests on here in just a second. Uh, so thanks to Amsterdam Tavern down here on Morgan Ford off Arsenal. Uh, I'm going to give them a quick uh, PSA here. If you like soccer and you like watching it on televisions and you like beer and you like chaos, this is your place. And if you like Korean-style chicken sandwiches, oh, yeah, throw that in. the Sando Shack right next door, oh, man. And if you like playing pinball on the same block in the same building, three pinball machines just down the, down yeah. the, the strip. So it, it kind of brings in, loops in our Explore STL yeah. friends. Uh, if you're listening and you're anywhere around the area and you decide, I want a staycation, I'm going to go down to Morgan Ford and check that place out. Plenty of other things to do. So I want to thank Explore St. Louis for helping <clears throat> support the show. Uh, the other thank you I want to throw out was, again, a couple of episodes back, we talked about the ambush game that we all... Uh, not we all, sorry. I wasn't there. You were over there, like, buying lights for your in-laws. <laughs> I, I was um, <laughs> at my dad's house in Washington. Um, <laughs> Uh, missing missing the fun in St. Charles. So they've got a number of games coming up on the schedule, home, out at Family Arena. Look, it's fun. It's super cost-effective. Um, it's just a good time. It's fast-paced. Uh, it's kind it's of... indoor. It's arena league football meets soccer meets... Yeah, keep your kids busy. Tons of promos, tons of stuff during the game yeah, to keep everybody happy and excited. And if you like soccer and you're looking for something to do this winter that doesn't involve sitting outside and freezing. Or cleaning your house. Or that. Yeah. Go Head check out it out. Ways. Yep. Um, finally brings us to uh, our buddies over thepinnacleloans.com. Uh, as you know, if you listen or if you haven't, what's about to happen, we're going to talk about our pinnacle points of the day, sometimes on point with soccer, many times not. And you get to go first. So I've got two, but I'm going to go with the one we kind of teed up earlier, which is <clears throat> the reason my day has been a little interesting is because yesterday I spent several hours drinking three liters of prep prep. Uh, liquid, <laughs> and then w had to wake up at 1.30 to drink the rest of the liter, so four liters, a gallon of this prep liquid that tasted like salt water with a splash of lemon, so disgusting, so that I could have my first ever colonoscopy. And how good was that nap? The nap was great, the procedure was easy, and I just, I, I, I use this as a PSA. My mother-in-law had colon cancer, mm -hmm. um, didn't get diagnosed until later in life. So she's been pushing me and, and my wife, Mandy, to, to do that. We've both done it. I highly recommend anybody going through that. Um, do it early, as, as early as you can. Yeah, colon cancer affected my family as well. Um, took my mom, actually, and uh, I, I, I concur. I think I had mine first after both my parents had yeah. issues at 39. Yep. And now it's taking the place of my New Year's resolution. <laughs> Instead of the gym, I just to lose 12 pounds of water weight <laughs> sometime yeah. in the first quarter and <laughs> call it a day. <laughs> yeah, so definitely go out and do that. Um, <laughs> well, don't use it as a diet. diet no, 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 no. Diet. Not for that part, right, but right, right. screening part. Go ahead. Uh, my pinnacle point of the day... Uh, I'm going to go back to the Open Cup uh, debacle that is uh, the standoff between MLS and U.S. soccer. Um, kind of trolling socials, just really looking for a, a, a realistic argument from the MLS camp or any supporters of MLS to, to, to justify it in, like, spelled out terms. Like, 
here, here's point A, B, and C. These are really good reasons why we're doing what we're doing. And I, I haven't found any. No. It seems like a character assassination on Don Garber, which may be appropriate. Um, the, what I've been reading more is he's not a soccer guy, he's a business guy. Right. And then all these decisions around the roster size and the money spent and the league fees and now the, the Open Cup decisions are really more about the business side of things, yeah. not the soccer side. Well, and I don't have much of an opinion on it other than I'm glad that U.S. soccer stepped up and said... No, uh, no, no, we're, no, we're not. We'll, we'll call your bluff. <laughs> not okay. Uh, I, I loved how they played that yeah. out too. Uh, it was very succinct and to the point. Like, no, we got pocket aces here. Yeah. Now, at the end of the day, you, you're talking about a group of billionaires, a lot of billionaires on the MLS side that can move the needle however they want to move it. But if PR matters to them, they better be listening. Yep. Uh, my 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 set my second pinnacle point of the day, and then I'm gonna let you wrap it out. Uh, City's schedule came out. It did. Uh, three times, we have those guys. <laughs> but only one here, and not until September. Yeah, so bullshit. Are we gonna take a road trip? I think we should. Uh, we talked about it. I think we need to do what we talked about. Yeah, we're gonna double down. Yeah, we're gonna I get did. a sprinter van loaded with all things St. Louis and, and go park in their parking lot and wait for the game. Houston could become somewhat of a rival given our schedule this year too. No. We'll see. Houston is in no offense to Houston or its people, but it's an armpit. Well, it's sweaty down there. Yeah. And it smells like petroleum all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, MLS schedules out, take a look at it. Uh, the one that I circled on my calendar because all of my friends from up north circled it and sent it to me, uh, 512 Chicago Fire. That's right. Who I believe should be our natural rival. I know you do. I still don't. And I didn't see Nashville on our schedule at home and I just, whatever. Um, Go ahead. Wrap so it up mine your... is is tied in a little bit to today's guest because our first round draft pick, which nobody thought we were going to get. Oh, yeah. Jose Kojima is a deacon. He's a deacon. Demon deacon from Wake Forest. Number 21 pick overall. Uh, midfielder. Pretty, you know, um, versatile. So I'm pretty excited to see him on the sidelines and hopefully on the pitch early. But you know how these drafts go. That he might be on City 2 or get loaned out to for a number of some teams imaginary for, pile of money that exactly. doesn't really exist, but it's a... <laughs> but you can see the setup and the fact that we traded, we, we traded prior to the draft for Nashville's international spot. Yeah. Then we traded again <laughs> to Nashville for their pick. So I think Nashville ended up with like 300 and something K in cash for Kojima. Yeah. So. Uh, the, real quick, uh, I'm going to add on to that news out of the, that draft. Uh, yet another mayor drafted. Yeah. Out that's of IU. two so far. And well, I guess technically Josh, he didn't get drafted, but he's been on city two and, uh, UPSL matter of time before, yeah. you know, paperwork. Yep. So, so I commented on Jim, the dad's, yeah. uh, LinkedIn post, you know, kind of c- congratulating his own son. And I asked him when his dog was going to cure cancer. <laughs> <laughs> because something's in the water in that house. Yeah, one's a, so. a, an attorney solving all the world's problems. Two are playing <laughs> professional soccer now, and the third's the semi-professional. So, yeah. Well, here's what we're going to do. Down here at Amsterdam, uh, we're going to refill because that's what they do real well. And when we come back, we're going to be talking uh, 
Deacon soccer, St. Louis soccer, Eastside soccer, FC soccer. Oh, yeah. And pickleball. Oh, that's on my list. <laughs> we'll be right back. See ya. Hey everyone, buying a home, it's kind of a big deal. Never has there been more competition to buy, so few homes to choose from, all made worse by an uncertain interest rate landscape. Now that you're short a bedroom for the third kid, you're in the wrong school district, and a walkable corner pub isn't nearly close enough, it's time to reach out to the Pinnacle Loan Team for help. They work with a network of agents that have their feet on the ground across the whole region and have a number of loan products that are cost-effective with a process that is simple. Basically, they've got you covered from start to finish. So when it's time to buy, visit thepinnacleloans.com. That's thepinnacleloans.com. Simply the best in home loans. Hello, people. How do? Uh, FYI, Zach. If you catch me not talking fast enough once we start playing music, be sure to jump in sub five <laughs> seconds. Did you get banged? Uh, apparently, uh, copyright attorneys don't like when we use it without <laughs> paying them for it, and I'm not going to pay them for it. But if we talk over it fast enough... Yeah, which episode was that? The AI bots can't catch that. Yeah. Yet. Good. I don't know, a few. <laughs> Probably 30 of them. <laughs> <laughs> just just on the YouTube front, so we're good. Oh, Hey, we're back. Uh, we're Amsterdam Amsterdam. Tavern. Jesus. I know, man. Um, you got holiday brain. Yeah, just before the holiday. This will be dropping after Christmas. Uh, when this drops, I'll be up in the packed northwest. I'll be in Costa Rica. Bastard. I know. Are you stoked for that? I mean, I, I'm pumped, man. I've never been. I know you've been several times, and you've you pumped me up. I've talked to so many people. Costa Rica is the only place I've ever said i'm going to costa rica and then i hear people go i, I go there i've been there five times so my it's the only place i've ever heard people say they go there repeatedly yeah well I'll, I'll double down on that and real quick here then we're gonna bring our guest on because uh when my wife told me hey we're going to costa rica for christmas this year i legitimately was like why you know what Blah. i was super <laughs> pouty patty about it <laughs> and kind of went along whatever get down there i didn't plan anything sorry kim um, and then when we got down there, it took 24 hours. And I'm like, this is literally heaven on earth. Yeah. Every aspect of it. And I've also learned a lot of people move down there. Oh, I've looked. A lot of Americans that have just picked up and moved because they can work remotely. And I guess the citizenship requirements are not, or the legal status it, isn't it's, that crazy. So it's a 50% country. Basically, like y you can go up to roughly 50% of the year and you don't have to do a lot. Yeah. You have to do a lot if you want to buy property. Um, but it's, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking into it. I love that idea. Well, I don't know that. I haven't been there yet. So it, with, it could suck. It won't <laughs> suck. Without further ado, uh, I rolled us in here with uh, a little cracker low from the year 1993, which happens to be the birth year and my graduation year uh, of and our freshman year <laughs> of our guest today. Um, I'm, I'm going to qualify this. An STLFC legend and 100%. fan favorite for thousands of St. Louis soccer lovers, 
Mr. Sam Fink. How you doing, Sam? I'm good. I'm really excited to, to be here. Thanks for letting me join you guys. Yeah, man. Um, I've I've been bugging you for a while. Actually, Kale was the one that allowed me to bug you. Yeah. Um, he informed. Well, at, well, we met him. I met you for the first time in person at a city match with Kale yeah. Wasserman, SIU had SIUE had men's coach, and I was like a fanboy because I was an S, you know STLFC season ticket holder for several years. And you were always my favorite player to watch. And so I saw you standing next to Kale. And I was like, oh, my God, JB, it's Sam Fink. <laughs> He's like, just go talk to him. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can. Yeah, and I, I, and I've, I've met, at that point, we had met no, <laughs> several. And I, and I knew because I was an FC <laughs> fan as well. But I'm like, isn't that his pickleball partner? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it was uh, really been looking forward to chatting with you because, you know, the one thing that we've consciously tried to do with the show is obviously highlight St. Louis in particular, uh, but really kind of segment and provide generational stories because obviously the, the, the soccer history here is second to none. Yeah. Um, and you, you, your demo, your pedigree experiences fill this gap that it really speaks to both sides of the spectrum because a lot of the OGs, whenever FC was kicking off here, they were fans. They were almost like, oh, you know, we're proud of this next generation. But at the same time, there was a whole group of people, frankly, busloads of them coming out of this place alone that would head out to Sock Park. And you were kind of, you know, one of those players that they gravitated towards. So uh, I just want to point that out like this was. I was looking forward to it for multiple reasons, but there's a lot of people really looking forward to hear this. In addition to that, I think you probably have a pretty decent perspective on this U.S. Open Cup with the MLS yeah. piece, <laughs> given some history that we can definitely, definitely dive into. Uh, but yeah, Sam, I guess I'd love to hear just a little bit about the early days. I mean, it's kind of our, our shtick as we, we want to dig into the neighborhood, so to speak. Um, I think we've established that JB is an East Sider. Once or twice. And so, you know, Jerry's not here to poke fun at the fact that he's not Granite City, but oh, he talk about... He wants to be, though. I know. Well, I don't, I don't know that. Actually, I, I doubt that. <laughs> oh, but. he's listening right now. He's texting you as we speak. So, <laughs> so Sam, just kind of walk us through kind of the early days, the club, the high school. I mean, you have some pretty remarkable records at, in the high school ranks up until the college, too. So just kind of start early days, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. For first, I, I got to go back to the beginning. I didn't get the St. Louis FC attire memo, but I am highly <laughs> excited to see that because I don't see it very often anymore. No, it's, I um, had to pull it out of the closet and, and, and spray it up a little bit because it was a little It looks little good, musty. though, that green yeah, and blue. I still. love it. Still love it. Yeah, no, I, uh, you, you know, it's funny. I um, have listened to the pod and uh, specifically I've listened to, to Dale talk about, um, yep. you know, his experiences with you guys, which was really cool. And he plays a huge part in my soccer story. Um, when I was three is when we moved over to Edwardsville, which is where we live now, and um, just played YMCA. My mom wanted me to play any sport but soccer, so she would give me all <laughs> what, the... Why, why was that? Do you, um, know, do you know? Yeah, she just had some uh, a poor taste in her mouth with soccer. She didn't love it. Um, not the sport in general, more the people Players. involved with the sport. <laughs> she didn't love, uh, and so... Did she, she grow up in Washington? No. Did, no. Did, did she grow up in North County with all those guys yeah. up there? Yeah, no. She grew up. She went to Edwardsville uh, High School. Uh, she was she was around, but yeah, she just she didn't love it, and so she would give me all types of, of you know balls to play with, but soccer was the one I wanted to play. So, 
Um, I played YMCA, and then when I was seven, someone pulled us aside and said, "Hey, I think your son is, you know, very good." I would, I would notoriously just stand outside the pack, and when the ball bounced out, then I would just take it and score tons of goals. So uh, that person was Dale. And he invited us to come try out Metro FC back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we did. And then that kind of kicked off everything for me. Um, then went to Metro United, and uh, which same club, just dif- different name. Um, played for Dale or one of his coaches for, you know, for, for many years. And um, then I went to Edwardsville High School. Had an awesome career there. And that was back when you could do both. So I got to play academy um, for half the year and then get to play high school soccer for half the year. So I was the last class that got to do that. So I'm I'm super thankful for those memories with with those guys. Um, And and then went to Wake Forest after that. Now, you glossed over a little few nuggets of your high school career at Edwardsville. Yeah. How many Final Fours? Yeah, I think I have have a record. It's it's a record I'm kind of proud of. Yeah. Three Final Fours in a row, zero trophies. <laughs> so you're the Jim Kelly of Southwestern yeah, yeah, soccer. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll Southwestern Dan Reno of, of, of Edwardsville exactly, High School. Exactly. So not quite a legend, but almost. But yeah, my, my sophomore year, we finished second. Uh, my junior year, we finished fourth. And then my senior year, we finished third. And I missed the penalty to send us to the state final. Um, so oh. sorry, guys. Oh, Can't let that one go. So well, let, let me let me pull a little bit more out of that because you know your career spans a lot of levels, a lot of time zones, experiences, cups, and league, and everything else. Missing that PK, you know, because as uh, a player my, myself, we won a lot of games, but I definitively remember the losses, a few losses more so. What? Is that one of those memories for you? And how do you, how do you uh, kind of track those games for you personally and weigh them good, bad, lesson learning? How, how, how do you deal with that? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. It's one that sticks with me forever. And honestly, penalties haunted me for a long time because of that. Um, going up to that game, I was a forward in high school and I had scored more than a goal a game uh, that year. So if anyone was going to take the penalty, you you would expect it to be me. I already had my celebration planned in my head, like not in an egotistical way, but just like I know this is going to go in. I'm so confident and just duffed it. And uh, so then I went to, to college at, at Wake and my ACC tournament career ended on a penalty. Um, wasn't my penalty, but ended. And then my NCAA tournament career ended on a penalty. So those kind of haunted me uh, all the way through. And it wasn't until um, my last few years at St. Louis FC, when I was a captain, I was the one that was asked to take the penalties. And that was kind of when I exercised those demons um, and, and worked through it also. So we, we've had some other folks on the on the, the show. Kenny Godat comes to mind, yeah. who kind of ended an era of their career with a mistake or with a, a, a bad outcome. But I would I would think, I, I referenced the, the Open Cup earlier, headballs became a thing for you as well. So yeah. we'll, we'll get into that. I don't want to spoil that right now. But I, I do love the fact, and I, I have Dale circled, because you two have a big connection there in that, JB, you were recruited for college by Dale. By Dale. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. Both of our sons and Jared, our, our other co-host, who's unable to, to come today, his son played with Dale. Uh, it still does at City. 
So can you talk a little bit more about the impact that, that he's had on not just you, but just in the game here in St. Louis? Yeah, I, I would say my, my career really, when, when someone um, talks to me and they don't know me, they just expect that, you know, you had this Cinderella story, you got to be a professional athlete, it was all amazing. But I would say my career more so than others was defined by, um, you know, people telling me I wasn't good enough and then me making a choice that I was going to be good enough um, by the work I put in. And Dale was a huge part of that. Um, when I was go when they made this Academy League, that was like the big thing. That was the same feeling as being on the MLS um, team now for kids. And so I tried out, I made it, and then after halfway through the year, Dale sat me down. He just said, "Hey, I'm just telling you, you're not good enough. You're not at the standard." Um, you have potential, but you think you're a lot better than you are. Um, here's all the reasons that I think you're not good enough. And obviously that was hugely hurtful at the time, um, but it was what I needed to hear. Um, I took it for a few days and, and was depressed for a while, but then actually printed out that email that he had sent me of here's all the reasons you're not good enough. I um, taped it on my mirror and I looked at it every single day and heading was one of the um, points on that sheet. And um, so I worked on those and then made the team again and then it just kind of like rolled on itself from there. So I think it's interesting when people think of my um, playing style, they always mention heading. But at the start of my career, at a pivotal moment, my, my career was almost over because of my inability to head the ball. <laughs> so, so when you look back and, and you take those experiences of um, Miss PKs and harsh realities and critique and, you know, maybe ending seasons on L's and, and navigating through it, can you speak to how you personally handled kind of the mental fortitude. Uh, and and I, I'm asking because we, we are privileged enough to watch our kids go through the process right now. And compared to your generation, and especially my generation, the emphasis on uh, the, the, the mental side of the game has never been higher. So in your experience, what how did you deal with those types of experiences critiques did you have a process or was it just grind and fortitude yeah it's a that's a great question i think the first thing that i realized i had to do was i had to take myself out of it so you have to be able to take the feedback for what it is it's an evaluation of your game it's not a uh, definition of who you are as a person and i think a lot of people struggle with that um, and so once you do that, it allows you to view the feedback as, is this something that's going to help me and serve me? Or is this something that, you know, I don't really agree with and I can, and I can let go of, you're not as attached. Um, I, and I've just seen, I just saw throughout my career, especially in that first moment where I tried it, if I focus on the feedback in a way that this is going to help me, um, it'll serve me very well. And that was a great lesson for me early, and I just continued on for itself. Uh, look, quick follow-up. Did you have a mentor that w filled that role or was like a partner for you through that side of the game? Because obviously Dale and staffs and trainers, they handled so much of the technical, tactical side. Mm -hmm. But did you have somebody that assisted you? on the mental side through those formative years? No, I didn't. I think, one, I think it would have been hugely impactful if I did. It would have helped me learn these lessons a lot faster. But what I did have um, was a mom who loved me unconditionally. Uh, I didn't have a dad. And I had a grandma that also loved me a lot and loved watching me play soccer. And 
why I mentioned that is it allowed me to detach because I knew that even though I wasn't a great header of the ball, like I was still um, a great human and I still had people that loved me and were going to lift me up regardless if I made it or not. And I think that that gives you the freedom then as a young soccer player to go and give it all you've got and just go out on a limb and try because you're not scared of what's going to happen if you fail. If you fail, you're still going to have a support system that's going to love you. And, and having a mom and a, and a grandma that knew nothing about soccer really, but just knew that they loved me was um, something that I didn't really know was as impactful as it was going to be until it was done. Yeah, so I've got a kind of a two-part question there. One, when did your mom turn the corner and like soccer? <laughs> and two, when did you figure that last part out? Meaning, I, I can't imagine as a parent of a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old that they would be able to say what you did as articulate as you just did. Mm -hmm. But, so when did your mom was like, okay, this, this game's okay. And then two, when did you, when were you able to kind of put that together to say, that's how I'm able to go out and kind of put it all on the line because I know my safety net is my mom and my grandma. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's um, first. I think the jury's still out on if my mom likes soccer or not. Well, she would probably disagree, but no, she's. I think she just saw it as something that I loved, and she loved watching me perform. So she's like, "I'm gonna go, of course." Um, but the second one, it's honestly been a post-career uh, epiphany for me. That sure. I, as I've looked back on my career, that's that's kind of what I noticed. Like, um, you try so hard to be in the starting eleven. You try so hard to make the team that it almost becomes your identity. Um, yeah. If you have a good game, you're up, it's the best day ever. If you have a terrible game or you give a ball over and then get scored on, it's the worst day ever. And I remember, specifically remember in the St. Louis FC days, um, making a big mistake, coming home and being like, man, like it's all done for me. Like I, I played mm. terrible, like my dreams are over all this stuff. And my wife is like, like, sorry, but who cares? Like you're still living your life, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this today has nothing to do with your soccer performance. And, and so I, I just realized that I, I labeled myself based upon how I played sure. and, and that was unhealthy. So I, I want to go back in time a little bit and um, I'm really intrigued by a uh, single parent household. The fact that your mom had no ties to the game, no love for the game, um, you know, because so many of the individuals that we know that, you know, that grow up and thrive, there typically is some connectivity within the family to the game, either as the, a parent was a player or a coach or something. And, and you kind of grew up in a little bit of a vacuum based on yeah. what you're laying out. And then you go to Edwardsville, you, you, you play club and high school, uh, you clearly thrive. What I'm curious about is that senior year, as you're you know, looking at the next chapter, as uh, colleges are knocking and, and reaching out, what was that process like for you? And, and when you did make the decision and when the offer was inked, what did that mean to your mom at that point? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, and I, coming up in a household that knows nothing about soccer, I was just on the you know local team all the way through. And I had no idea that ODP even existed. I had no idea that there was a national team, like none of that stuff. 
and it actually wasn't until I got to Wake Forest that they were talking about some of the guys because those are like national team guys. They'd be like, oh, yeah, we played in the you know U-20 World Cup in Spain and whatever. Like, what tournament do you play? And I was like, uh, Belleville Classic. <laughs> yeah, Collinsville <laughs> Shootout. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, there's a whole other world I didn't know about. Um, but but the, the coaches really became like father figures and mentors to me in, in that way. So... Um, and then tell me the tell me the second part of that question again. Well, I was really curious because obviously, you know, a, a single parent house, you're the you you you're pride and joy in her eyes, yeah. and you get a college scholarship to go get an uh, you know an incredible education, playing the game that you love at an amazing institution, incredible too. school. What did, what did that mean to her? Do you remember the when you told her when she found out? What was that experience? Yeah, like? yeah, it was it was an awesome one, and I think that you know paired with the love that she gave me when I was younger, she also gave me this belief in myself that I can do anything I put my mind to. And I think that a lot of parents say that, but they don't actually instill that in their kids. There's still some level of reality you know and um, you have to find a balance there but the way that I found my my college was sophomore in high school I thought I was really good at soccer I looked up the top 10 schools Wake Forest was number one I said that's where I'm going and I never <laughs> ever considered anything else and now that story doesn't work out that way for everyone um, but that just shows you kind of like where my head was at so I got recruited by them by going to a camp, uh, an ID camp, which sometimes can be cash grabs, sometimes they're not actually yeah. looking for players, um, but it actually wasn't anything that I did with the ball or anything, it was the way I responded. I turned the ball over, chased the guy down, slide tackled him, and the coach on the spot pulled me out of the game and said, I like you, and um, I like that mentality. And so the second that I could commit to Wake Forest, I did. Uh, that was the only school that I really even considered. Um, but making that decision was hugely impactful for my mom, I think, because it was this confirmation that she told me, like, you can be anything you want to be. I chose who I wanted to be, and then I got to live it in that moment. And so it was like kind of like a full circle moment for her, I think. Yeah, you put a target up on the wall, and you achieved it. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you, so I'm assuming you <laughs> opened Soccer America, number one in the nation, Wake Forest, and then you went to a globe and started looking for Wake Forest. <laughs> Boy, Real Madrid's actually better than Wake Forest. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I didn't know Europeans yeah. played, too. <laughs> how, how, how happy was she, though? She was. She was so uh, excited for me, and I say it all the time, but my mom had me when she was 19, so it was right after high school. She put her life on hold, really, so right. that I could, uh, you know, be born and have a life of my own. And so I think that uh, for her in a small way, it was confirmation that, like, all the work and suffering that she had to put in three jobs just to be able to, to feed me uh, was worth it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I have so many thoughts and questions in my head around that particular topic, which wasn't something I'd written down in my notes because I didn't know that oh, did part I, of it. I, I got you, didn't I? You did. <laughs> well, I, Sam did. I didn't. I didn't know that part. But I think it it tells the story of the motivation. And we just interviewed Larry Holser, Larry Holser, uh, in a previous episode who played the U.S. national team, played for the Cosmos back in the NASL days. Started off at SLU University. Played at SLU. And he said a phrase that I... And he's still coaching today, coaches girls, but he used the term desire. Hmm. And I want to... I'm going to kind of start teeing this up for... Not all guests, but specifically for you, Sam, because 
I feel like there's a motivation behind your effort and it's a payback a little bit yeah. for what your mom did for you. Yep. So was there a desire growing, especially at, at Wake and then at STLC, to kind of prove to her that what you did for me is worked? Yeah. Absolutely. And I, well, I think that she had so many trials and tribulations, whether it be with my biological father or, or elsewhere, where she had to say, like, I'm going to show you, like, I'm going to make this work. It's yeah. going to be good. And she instilled that in me from a young age. And so um, in all the moments that I was questioning myself, like that was always the response because that was her response. Like, this is just what we do. This is our family. This is what we do. And we come across, across hard times. We say, screw you, we're going to show up and, and get it done. So, How are you translating that now to your own kids? Because you've got three young kids now. Um, they're not experiencing the same adversity that you did growing up. Yeah, I find that I, I didn't grow up the same way, but there are some threads that are similar. And, and I think JB has, you know, we've all had some hardships growing up. Oh, yeah. Um, translating that to our kids when we are not passing on that same hardship, you know, we've been blessed, I think, yeah, uh, to have steady employment and, and not dealing with some of the things that you did when you were growing up. Do you find that a challenge to, to teach your kids kind of that, that yeah. ground level? In this next phase of life, as you go from child to parent, how, how, are, you, how are you handling that? Yeah, it's a great question. That's something that my wife and I actually talk about often. Our kids are five, four, and one, so they're still, you know, really young, but yeah. we're fortunately giving them a life that is much better than at least the life I had, you know, just having two married parents is a, is a plus. Step um, one. And it's, it's so weird because as a parent, you're like stuck in this conundrum of like, I want my, I want to give my kids comfort because I love them so much and want to give them everything they desire. But I also want them to experience discomfort so that they know how <laughs> yeah. to rely on themselves to get out of those situations. So, um, it's something that we're, we're still talking about. And so you just put out. them out. You just, I, 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 my assumption is you just take them over to Granite City <laughs> for a little yeah. while. Yeah. <laughs> a little brat, you want to know yeah. the real world, let's go down the hill. <laughs> Drop, them words. <laughs> Drop them off and have them figure out a way to get back home. Um, I know I, I want to get in the second half. I really want to get in more of the soccer side of it. I want to get in the FC days and, and the, the Open Cup stuff. But this has been so great, Sam. Yeah, thank you very much, man. We are uh, down here at Amsterdam Tavern. Get, get a little noisy around here because apparently is. they're playing soccer. Brighton and uh, Crystal Palace. Yeah, and did you know that there was actually Brighton fans in St. Louis? I did not All know that. All four of them are here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to take a quick break, get a refill. We'll be right back with uh, Sam. We're, we're going to open up a can of worms with Open Cup and more soccer. Uh, thanks for listening. Like, review, share, do all that stuff. It's free. It's still the holiday season. See you on the other side. Hey, everybody. The uh, fall outdoor season's over. The high school season's over. And everything outside just looks gray and dreary. So if you're still looking for a soccer fix, head out to the family arena and go check out some indoor soccer brought to you by St. Louis Ambush. Hit them up on social media, hit them up online, go get your tickets, family friendly, and keep up with the pace, keep the kids busy. We will catch you next time. See ya. We're back. 
Zach, you had one job. I did. Keep the copyright people from booing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Five seconds. I, I was, see, Sam's paying attention. Yeah, Sam's paying attention. I, was, <laughs> he was, I saw him about to say something. You know, he's watching you. <laughs> the whole time I was like, he's going to ask me who this is, and I have no idea. This so, is Tool. I, I keep playing. Uh, uh, so I'm double dipping. I graduated in 93. He was born in 93. So okay. I'm playing. Just 93. Rock hits of 93. Rock hits. Yeah, we're, that, that's our synergy. Got it. No, Love I it. like it. I just. That's where my head was at, and I forgot the five-second rule. Well, we were just talking off mic. Apparently, we have a lot more synergy than we realize. Yes, you do. Uh, because all of your uh, early mentors slash coaches seem to have a little bit of a Granite City bend to it. They do. They do. <laughs> so so I'll go over this real quick, because this is so much fun. Uh, your first coach, you said, was J-Mac. Yep. Justin McMillan. Uh, your second coach was... JB. Justin Bernay. Yep. Your third coach was uh, Dave. Dave Fernandez. Dave Fernandez. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah you've heard. And, and then uh, you also had JVB. Yep. Johnny Van Busker. Yeah, heard of him. And then Dale. And Dale. Big Dale. Everybody else heard Dale. Yep. So basically, what happened was everybody moved out of Granite City into Edwardsville. <laughs> this is what it sounds like. Again, not my <laughs> words. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> yeah, just kind of pick it up. Going on. No, that's really kind of fun. I mean, it's really it, that's how small this community is, you know. And it's so funny that um, I take immense amount of pride uh, uh, in regards to St. Louis soccer from abroad. You know, when you zoom out and you think of you know the, the OGs, the Altros of the world, the yeah, yeah the Taikios, and you know, you move, pick pick your decade doesn't matter. Your name dropping all day long. But at the same time, there was this little mini parallel world across the river that did pretty goddamn good too. Yeah. You know, Trichu and Johnny and you know yourself. I mean, you you are one of those names. Do you ever like now that your career is over and you have the opportunity to reflect? Mm -hmm. Does any of that ever settle in on you that you're forever going to be part of St. Louis soccer history? Does that? Does that resonate? Yeah, it's interesting because when I was growing up, it was always us versus St. Louis. Like we were the East Side, <laughs> yeah. we were we were playing all the St. Louis Man, kids, and we need we need a group hug, dude. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were on our own over there, just right. battling it out. Uh, and so I probably I had that that feeling inside me because even when I was in academy, we were St. Louis, Scott Gallagher, Illinois Metro or Illinois, yeah, yeah. not Missouri. Right. And uh, so we would play each other, and um, so I had that feeling all the way through college, and probably not until I played. Uh, for St. Louis FC and got to meet the churches of the world, um, all of these, you know, amazing St. Timmy Louis Miller. soccer legends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I was like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll file in, in line behind these these guys and, and be part of St. Louis and not just Metro East. Yeah, I would, I, it is one of those things though. But I want to I want to add one more part to this because I do love this because most of our guests always talk about this north south narrative north county versus south county sure justifiably so i mean that's what they knew that's what they yeah. grew up with but east west is is legit too now look yep. i'm not going to be unrealistic here the west side had exponentially more players that went on to great heights yep but the east side you know you, you, if you add up Granite City, Edwardsville, Collinsville, now Troy, uh, the state titles that have been accumulated here in our market sure. relative to 
Chicago mm-hmm. still a powerhouse. Yeah, it's yeah. it's awesome, and I think that probably played a part in my and the chip that I always had on my shoulder too was this, the stereotype was that the Missouri guys had all the money, and if you looked at their training facility versus our cow pasture, literally we were playing in the outfield. <laughs> of, right? We were literally playing in the outfield of a baseball field with molehills all in it and all that. Um, that that really gave us a chip and, and wanted us to you know get after those guys. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your transition from yeah. to Wake Edwardsville into Wake, because you went from a cow pasture to one of the <laughs> premier <laughs> universities in the country for academics, let alone for soccer. You're in the triangle. Um, so talk a little bit about that transition. Yeah. It was uh, so I went in. I was one of the better players on the academy team and in the area, um, was like the captain and all that crap. And so I went in with a very high self-confidence and regard for myself as a player. Uh, literally the first day, um, my mom and I are staying in a hotel so I can get in my, in my dorm room. And they're like, hey, we're gonna have a fitness test, uh, which I didn't know about, but it was fine. Like I had been playing uh, Academy League all summer. I was like, all right, whatever. The fitness test, two miles in 12 minutes, rest for 12, one in 5.30. So hard, but if you're fit, you can do it. And um, literally got lapped twice by the goalies. I'm talking like I am the absolute last person. So here I am in my dream school. I'm, I'm telling everybody, you know, I told you I could make it. Like, I'm going, all this stuff. And I immediately fail. Um, Coach Jay Vidovich calls me in next day. He's like, hey, I'm just letting you know, like, you should probably look elsewhere. Um, you're, you're not likely to play here, especially after that performance. And there's still time to transfer. And um, so I went back. I cried a lot. Uh, talked to my mom, of course, and she was like, "Okay, you have a choice. You can either quit, and we can go home right now, and and I won't mention it again, or you can stay and and try to battle it out." Um, so decided to stay. Obviously, that summer we would wake up, we would run at 7 a.m. We would all go to our um, uh, summer classes, and then we would play play in the evening we would have a training session and so I decided I was going to run in the morning I was going to go to class go to the training session and then I was going to go back to the track and run again and I did that for the whole summer and then when we had the fitness test again before preseason the pass was flying colors and that kind of kicked me off so you're saying you have grit (laughs) (laughs) well again that that word desire the desire to you had a goal as a sophomore in high school to play for Wake Forest yeah and your first experience with them, they told you, nah, you're not good enough. But your desire to play for them and to prove them wrong was stronger than their resolve to kick you off the team. Yeah, and I think what, when people ask me, like, what would you say to young players all the time? And, and I think that that story, what, what I would tell them about that story is, I was way off at talent, talent-wise um, at Wake Forest my first few years even, because those guys had just been playing at a level I didn't even know existed. Right. And, uh, but the very first game my freshman year, of which I was supposed to transfer away because I wasn't good enough, I started and I played 90 minutes. And the reason that I started was because when they were filling out their lineup, one of the, the anchors of a lineup is when it comes down to it and we need somebody to win us the game, and to give their everything, who's that going to be? And so the shift for me was, okay, I know I'm not going to going to catch up talent-wise anytime soon to these guys, but I know that I can care about winning more than they can and do anything to win. Do, oh, I'm going to interrupt you. Do you attribute that to 
your uh, club slash high school experience having to play for something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, and I attribute that honestly to the to email that Dale gave me gave me about why I'm not good enough uh, because uh, again it gave me something to focus on and it gave me a, a you know something a, a way to get on the field other than just being the best player. So that's amazing. I mean, it's one of those things like you 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 kind of in real time are uh, creating a uh, uh, a reality to so many of the concepts that oh we talk gosh. about on the show. And you're doing it seamlessly. At what point in your Wake career, though, was it or did it or when it, did you think the next, okay, I, I did this. Now I, I'm looking at the next level. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to be honest, when I committed to Wake Forest, I was, I said, after Wake Forest, I'm going to be a pro. And that's it. And when people asked me when I was younger what I was going to be when I grew up, it was never anything but I'm going to be a pro soccer player. So that, uh, again, belief in myself and my mom telling me I could do anything, I believed it. And so there was never a point in my Wake Forest career where I was like, ooh, I you know, scored this many goals this year or I had this many blocks, so I think I can do it at the next level. It was just, doesn't matter, I'm doing it at the next level. And let's not gloss over the fact that you played striker in high school. <laughs> I'm pretty positive you did not play striker at center Wake back. They kicked me out of the forward and back center back. Yeah. So not only did you did you have a, an awakening moment on the fitness test, but they moved you into a completely different. It wasn't like you moved from striker to winger or even attacking mid. They moved you from striker all the way back. Yep. Um, and I, I want to understand a little bit about that transition. Like, how did you did you get committed to Wake Forest because they knew they were going to transfer transition you, or yeah. did that happen during that summer? Yeah, I would actually play forward in high school, and then when I went into academy, I would play center back. And so uh, Dale was actually the one that moved me to center back, and then they recruited me there and, and put me. But I think it was it was important uh, trait character trait for me to have going in because there would be games where um, our right back went down or our you know center holding mid would go down and we needed someone to fill that space and for me when they came to me and said hey can you do a job for us it was no question I said what do you need put me in yep. so again gets me on the field even though I'm not the best right back on the team I'm playing the most minutes because they know that I care the most love that so okay so <clears throat> you you asked at the break that you wanted to make sure and give a shout out to somebody that you really care about, and I'm hearing all these stories and your and the perseverance and how you've approached it, and your mom playing the role that she did. But all sons and moms at some point go through rough patches, um, and you mentioned you know earlier that your grandma was really important to you. Yeah. Throughout all of this, where was she? Was, yeah. she, was she the fan? Was she the safety net? Where was she in your life during these experiences? Yeah, thanks for asking that. She, um, in the beginning, was what held me and my mom up, I think. Um, as my mom was going to all different jobs and a 19-year-old with a new baby didn't know what to do, it was my grandma that gave us that stability and, and uh, let us live with her at times. Never asked twice if my mom said, hey, can you take him to soccer practice tonight? Um, and then my mom, six years later, had my sister. And so again, a new life transition. And grandma was just the steady constant for us. Like It, it was never a question of how I was going to get to soccer games or tournaments. It was always grandma if mom couldn't do it. And so um, it's funny, when I, anybody that I've ever played with, if 
you know, when I see them after a, a long break, the first two questions they ask me are, how's your mom, how's your grandma? <laughs> um, when, I w- when I was at Wake Forest, she would uh, book a hotel for two weeks and over a home game stretch and come and, and stay in her hotel. And I had class and stuff, so it's not like I was hanging out with her all the time, but she would come to, to every game and, uh, again, just was a staple uh, of support and love for me and, and for my soccer career. And, and so uh, thanks for the opportunity just to say, like, I love you, Grandma, and uh, I would not have had the career that I did without the sacrifices that uh, she and my mom made. I think it's so cool. So real quick, though, very important follow-up question. Uh, The first time that they were both in attendance at one of your games, be it college, high school, whatever, pro, uh, and you score, and you run to that corner, (laughs) who are you blowing the kiss to, mom or grandma? Oh, man, I just had to go to the boys so I didn't have to create any any family drama. There you go. Let's, Let's move on from that because... I, I want to make a statement and then follow that with a question, which is, for those that are listening, to see Sam's face talking about the support mechanisms that, that built the foundation under you, which is your mom and your grandma, and then the coaches that we all, always also referenced, I, I want to underline how important just being there is and being supportive. And while you might not think as a parent or a grandparent, you know, taking the kids to the training or showing up to games really means that much. Means it world. absolutely does. And so I just want to kind of reiterate that as a PSA for those listening. But I want to transition now because I, I've been at games where you came to the corner in the supporter section yeah. uh, and arms out after scoring. And I want you to talk a little bit about what it meant to not only be a professional soccer player, but to play professional soccer back in St. Louis. Um, so you, you bounced around only once. I mean, you weren't like a journeyman. Mm-hmm. Like we talked to a lot of guys who were in the USL during that time. Every year they were making a change. And, and you were somewhat fortunate, I think, you'll, you'll tell me if I'm wrong, yeah. to have most of your career here. Um, so talk about how you came back to St. Louis from Wake. Yeah, so I, I graduate Wake Forest and... Um, had aspirations to be a pro, to get drafted. Obviously, go into Coach Jay's office, and he's like, hey, I'm, I didn't find you an agent because you're just not good enough. Um, sorry, you should probably think about But you're a great human. Like, he was, he was, he was like, <laughs> you're, like, one of the best captains we've had because of your leadership and, and, you know, human qualities, but soccer player, you just don't have it. And so I was like, all right, screw you, whatever. I don't, I don't need you. So um, started looking for options on my own and went to a combine, not the MLS combine, which I had hoped to get invited to, which also, in a side, I played every single minute my, my right. senior year at Wake. And so I had a great season, played with some incredible um, guys as well. But just for whatever reason, I think the coach's lack of belief in me kind of parade into the the scouts thoughts as well i want to pause you on that because I, I i saw that that you played every single minute of every game your senior year and you're playing with guys that are it, national team in the acc in yeah. the acc and it feels like there was a stigma on you for whatever reason whether because the u.s team didn't didn't tap you like well if they didn't tap him but he's still playing at wake he's there's something something amiss yeah was it just a perception that the coaches were not 
as high on you. I, I, I'm, I'm so I'm still baffled by that. Yeah, yeah. It's I I'm still a little baffled as well. <laughs> but I think that uh, you know my performances probably had something to do with it. I'm sure some scout could tell you. Oh, he played did this mistake at this game. But I think for the most part. Scouts have such a large area to, to look at sure. that they rely on these coaches to give them the insight because the coaches are with them every single day. And so for my coach, who is a very, very well-respected name in the soccer world, um, to say I just don't think he has it, I think that they believed it and kind of took it as face value and, and moved on. Um, all right, let's move on to the, from the negative to the positive. So yeah. talk about how you, you ended yeah, up. Yeah, so I got invited to a, a combine and went out there. Again, just wore my heart in my sleeve and gave it all I had. Got to play in an all-star game at that combine. Afterwards, the Seattle Sounders approached me and just said, hey, um, you know, we're not sure on, on you for the draft, but we would like to bring you in to preseason with our second team, Sounders 2, um, and see if, you know, see where you're at. And so I had booked my trip. I was probably three days from leaving for that trip and then get a call from Jeremy Allenball. Yep. Another uh, another shout out to Jeremy. I played for Jeremy my last two years in the academy, and then he assumed the role at St. Louis FC. And uh, he just said, "Hey, we're looking to start uh, a team here, and we would love for it to have a local St. Louis flair." Want to be clear? It was not a "you're our guy," like you're the you're the man, like sure, come back sure. home. It was just we're interested, and uh, sent me a contract that day, and. Um, really really struggled with it like here's my chance to go and try to live my dream which was to play in the MLS or here's a concrete offer on the table that I could be in preseason with a contract next week so uh, obviously ended up taking the contract to St. Louis FC and, and coming home love that so so when you again I'm going to go back to the family component um, kind of going through the struggle that you experienced at the end of your weight career as, as far as perception goes, relationship with the head coach, good or bad, whatever that was, still your mom is that constant yep. in all of this. And you, at that moment when you have the offer in hand and you've got the invite to go up to Seattle and you choose uh, FC here, what did it mean to her? What did it mean to the two of you as kind of a team that you literally just signed paperwork that executes that last goal that you had to play pro? How important was it to you? Yeah, I think one, it gave her probably a lot of pride in herself for the sacrifice she gave again, just like Wake Forest. Like, and then two, I think it was an affirmation for her that like what I told Sam is true. Like he's living it at every stage of his career. He keeps, keeps getting told that he's not good enough, but I told him he could be whatever he wants to be. And that was a college athlete. And then now that's a pro athlete. And so I think that that portion gave her a lot of pride too. And then of course, being able to be home uh, probably made her heart swell as well. So let's talk a little bit about the USL experience. So you guys, uh, you come in, um, a lot of big names that are on on the bench next to you that are leading the team um, you know and you're doing it in one of the homes of soccer mm -hmm. and you're doing it in an amazing venue for that for that level yep. uh, at soccer park um, how how did it make you feel in those early years when you saw section 8 when you saw that corner when you saw the full bleachers all the blue and green what, did, did it set in it was it how special was it in your backyard and experiencing that uh, reception 
that the team and you guys were given? Yeah, it was cool. I, I honestly, I didn't, uh, you know, probably in just my ignorance as a young kid, like didn't realize how large the, the soccer fan support was in St. Louis growing up and also being on, uh, you know, from Illinois and not necessarily from St. Louis probably made a difference. But um, I remember our first home preseason game was against Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time we ever got to play in front of fans. And so I had no concept of what a supporters group was. We had, you know, Jersey on Vail and that was cool. And there were people there and whatever, but walking out and hearing them in unison, beating their drums and cheering for us was like an experience I'll never forget. And still gives me goosebumps when I, when I think about that. And when you have that kind of support and it wasn't lost on me that these are people that have real jobs, have real lives, are, are spending their money and their time, more importantly, supporting us to do what we love, it just gives you so much pride in what you do. And, and you want to go out there and win not only for yourself and for your career, but for these people that are giving literally everything to come and be on the team. Well, let me ask one more component of that whole experience because we, uh, I briefly mentioned, you know, you're playing with players that are top quality players. You've got an incredible staff. The fans did their job. Speak to the ownership group. Speak to Kavanaugh Strunk and and the team that were behind this behind the scenes, but in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. How how cool was it to be part of what they were doing? Uh, and the way that they handled the, the, the organization. Yeah, I think it's unique, and I, and I think that it's easy to take for granted, but when you when you listen to Worldwide's culture, um, that's, that's a buzzword for them, is, yeah. is culture and how uh, well they do that. And that was the same with St. Louis FC, is you weren't just coming into a professional sports organization, which by its very nature is very selfish, and culture is very poor, because it's about money and it's about winning, and that's it. And for them to kind of embody that uh, this is a family mantra and then bring the fans into that uh, was special. And I don't think that there are a lot of clubs that are integrating the fan and player experience like St. Louis FC did. And so that was always special from day one. Do you see that at City? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's, it's hard for City because the numbers are so much larger. Sure. Like, you know, we had, you know, I don't know, 8,000 on, on our best night probably, and they have, what, 20,000, you know? And, and so it's, I think the access is harder to give at such a high level. Yeah. Um, but I will say that with the way they integrate local eatery, eatery like local DJs, local um, just the local feel, even the enterprise yeah. family. I think that they're trying to do it as well, and that shows. So, so a lot of people kind of uh, uh, use STLFC uh, as a, uh, a critical reason, as a as a checkbox um, in the path in the process of this particular ownership group. Uh, securing the team and doing what they've done to bring us to City Park and the season that we just had. And what I mean by that is like all markets beta test, right? And STLFC, as much as it was kind of a no-brainer in St. Louis with that facility, you know, I'm surprised we didn't have a USL team, you know, earlier. Uh, But you do realize that... 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 people, you know, game over game over game at Soccer Park was probably a main impetus to say, okay, yeah, St. Louis can support this. Does that ever sit at all in the back of your head? Like, 
you were you were literally part of something that was leading to the next step. Yeah. Do you take pride in that, or uh, is there frustration? Is there? How does it make you feel, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I felt all the emotions. Uh, I'll never forget when um, Tom and Jim called us in my, in 2020 to a team meeting and basically said, hey, we're gonna seize operations. Uh, sorry, but it just doesn't make sense anymore. Uh, I felt a lot of pain. I felt, uh, I felt definitely angry at times. Um, but in the couple years since that has passed, it really has turned into uh, a joy. I don't know why I never got to uh, achieve soccer at the MLS level. I always felt like I was good enough to at least have a chance. Um, but it's becoming more clear to me the, the better I see City do and the more supported they are in this community that maybe the reason for me playing in the USL at St. Louis FC was so that uh, we could exist long enough for City SC to come here and take it to a whole nother level. And while uh, yeah, it's brilliant. while you know the newspaper will never say Sam Fink did this, that doesn't matter to me, uh, knowing in my heart that me and my teammates and the supporters all did something that led to something even greater that we could never have imagined. If that's why I came here, then that's enough for me, and I'm grateful for it. I 100% agree, and I've, I've mentioned that to Tom Strunk when we interviewed him. Mm -hmm. I, I mentioned that to some of the Luligans that we interviewed, to Jeremy when we interviewed him. To me, it was foundational. It wasn't a checkbox or a beta necessarily, but it was proof. And it was the blueprint, I think, for the culture that they're trying to create at City, and you're hearing that throughout, you know, all the folks we talk to. So I want to dive into something a little more fandom-based, yeah. Which is we teased this earlier about the USL uh, being part of, and now the MLS trying to back out of the US Open Cup. There were some special games that you were a part of. Can you talk about the relationship with? USL and the US Open Cup. Yeah. And, and, and can you kind of highlight some of those? And I, I, I briefly kind of also talked about a headball, but you can, <laughs> you can, you, I'll let you tell that story. Yeah. No, I, this one, this, I, this one makes me uh, emotional, makes me a little angry, this decision. Um, I am super passionate about the Open Cup because for someone who, uh, like me, who never had a chance at an MLS preseason, never had a chance to. Crystal, uh, Crystal Palace just scored. I think somebody scored. That yeah. sounds like more than four people. <laughs> well, that's Crystal Palace. There's more Crystal Palace fans okay, here okay. than, than uh, Brighton. That makes sense. Um, no, I'm... I'm uh, for someone that never got to play in an MLS preseason, step on the field with an MLS team with their jersey on, um, that was my opportunity. You know, the Open Cup games were my chance, and um, it's like that for for all the players in the USL. You constantly are told that you're lesser, you're lower division, you're semi-pro is a, a common moniker uh, yes. for that, you know. And uh, so it creates a pretty big chip on your shoulder. And when you walk on that field, no matter if you're in the third round or you're in the final four, you've got this attitude like, you know what, screw you. Like, I'm going to show you that we're good enough. I could be on your field in your shoes. I just am not yet. And I'm going to show you tonight. And um, so it's a cup final. And for them to, um, you know, kind of strip that away, it hurts a lot. Uh, it hurts all of these young soccer players who are still holding on to the dream and yeah. um, this is a chance to change their career trajectory whether that's true or not that's how it feels uh, that sucks well and I think we talked about it at the opener about the US 
Mint, or the USSF coming in and saying, yep. no, we're not going to allow that to happen. I don't know what the outcome fully is going to be of that. Um, but I'd love to get in some of the games. We're, in those U.S. Open Cup games that you guys played in, what were some of your favorite memories? Yeah, we. Uh, so the first first year we played at Kansas City, um, played Sporting Kansas City at their place. They were in the middle of like a 10-day layoff, so they had no MLS games, and so they sold out the stadium because everyone just wanted to see Sporting play. And uh, we got shelled for 90 minutes, but we held on. <laughs> we held on and, and honestly had a few chances to score, had a few amazing moments and ended up losing. But um, walking out on the field for the first time was cool. I remember I was like a real serious, like passionate type of guy, like don't mess with me when I'm in the zone, whatever. And we're, we're lined up and we're about to walk out. And I looked to my side and like Dom Dwyer walks by and then Zussi walks by and then I'm shaking hands with Beasler and I'm like, dang, this is kind of cool. And then we walk out and the fireworks go off and all of their fans are chanting like, yeah, you suck or whatever. And they're actually like, saying our barbecue sucks. Yeah. Our barbecue sucks. <laughs> okay. I thought they were chanting at me, but it's good. they weren't. <laughs> no. um, But uh, that was cool. And then, you know, on top of the moment being cool, I also, I'll never forget how our fans were louder than their fans uh, in that stadium, which they had that little slice in the corner, which I can still see in my mind. And I remember in the middle, like the 60th minute, just it's a corner kick. And I'm thinking in my head, like, man, I can hear our fans over there. This is amazing. And our guys are going, we we can't hear you. And it's like, this is hilarious. So, (laughs) so, so let me, let me ask, let's go to the other end of the spectrum because you were that bright eyed kid in the tunnel going out and there's Zussi in the crowd and everything else. Talk about your USL experience on the flip side where you guys were the big one where you played somebody downstream and you looked at their faces at their couple hundred fans or whatever. Talk about what that means too in the context of Open Cup being David both David and Goliath yeah it's so it's so important again because it gives these guys hope like it gives them something to dream about to train for if they're not necessarily going to go to the to the MLS themselves and I think we had a unique um we were in a unique position because we were the most likely ones to go and play the MLS team so we um, knew what that felt like to have that like screw you mentality I'm going to come and take your job and so then we could go into the game with the guys that were quote unquote beneath us and know that that's how they were feeling about us and so I always you know they rest guys at different times in the open cup and I never wanted to be rested because I think it was important to have that steady presence in there um, and the message from me to anyone that was trying to take my job was like, good luck. You're going to have to rip it from my hands. And so I always enjoyed playing in those games when everyone had a chip on their shoulder. I love that. Uh, Zach's alluded to it a couple times. Let's talk about the headball. Yeah. Talk about the game. Yeah. Go ahead and tee it up. Imagine where your kids and they're old enough to care. This, this is, this is also the- against Sporting KC, too. So this is the one I want to talk about. Which what, So the Open yes, Cup yes. against... Can, against Cincinnati or can, can Cincinnati? Cincinnati, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, a moment that I'll never forget. I remember before the game, Anthony Poulos, I don't know why I remember this, but he said, 
like enjoy these moments because you never know where your career is going to go and this might be one of the greatest nights that you have and I was like whatever I'm going to Real Madrid now <laughs> uh, and uh, so so anyway we were it's it's the final final minute and I like that was kind of a, a theme of my whole career not just professional careers like when we needed a goal for some some reason I could just feel it in my bones like this is going to be me and I think it was desire was a great word that you guys mentioned earlier I just desired and willed my way to the ball wherever it was and that's how that one kind of shapes up so my best friend is uh, Chris Duvall he's an assistant for City 2 and uh, he was playing with Nick Hagland is his name and that's the guy that was marking me from Cincinnati and I'm like oh I'm better than this guy like I should be there and so it's the final minute and um, we're like stacked in a line in the box and Fanwell just like big bodies him which if you remember Fanwell he's got biceps as big as my head so uh, big bodies him and then Lewis puts in a perfect ball and it just seemed like fate honestly like it had to be me like the St. Louis kid going up <laughs> was it in slow motion it in was in head? slow motion and I actually US soccer gave us some footage from that game because they were there and that's in slow motion and I watched it yeah. often <laughs> but it goes in and then like you just black out like it's just elation and uh, I, I felt like the way I expressed myself of just like yelling and screaming was like we were all one in that moment you yeah. know like there's so many dark days and as, as a lower division soccer club whether it be losses whether it be money whether it be whatever and for for that moment to like it just felt like a light was shining on us and it was cool yeah that's the iconic moment that you know I think a lot of the Luligans still hang on to um, especially when you talk about open cup and talk about you know what this means to the city we've always portrayed ourselves as underdogs always and I think it, it, it definitely came out in that moment and I'm so glad that you were able to come on and talk to us about that and your mom your grandma and, and, and your your path and it was so great to, to see you here and to meet you and uh, really just thankful. Yeah, thanks, Kale, for uh, giving us his phone number, <laughs> yeah. unbeknownst to him. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sam, this has been an extreme pleasure, man. I'm, I'm really stoked, uh, to st- one, to stay in touch, and two, you're not done with the game. I mean, I, I have to assume some form of training, coaching, and I get it. You got you got three little ones. Yeah. Well, you've got to listen to the Tom... But- the Tom Byer episode and get Winston on the ball now. Yep. But, uh, but I mean, uh, is it fair to assume that you want to be a coach someday? Yeah. I'll, I don't know uh, what capacity I'll be involved in, in the game. Uh, my family is my priority and that's where I want to place my time. Sure. But I can say with certainty that in some way, well, you say that until they're teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> and then I get all the time. Get away from it. Yeah. And then yeah. you're going to be like, I'm starting my own club. See you, hon. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Sam, congratulations, man. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Um, really look forward to keeping in touch and uh zach yeah that's that's all i mean i'm just still kind of fanning out a little bit <laughs> yeah you're welcome back anytime dude same to you guys thank Thanks, you Sam. thank you thank you amsterdam tavern uh beers are cold today well done uh and everybody else appreciate the listens we'll catch you next time see ya